And now it's time for Cadaver Classics. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a very special bonus episode of the Cadaver Lab podcast, the Cadaver Classics episode. I'm Mike, and with me is always Steven. What's up, my man? Not much, my friend. How are we doing this week? Well, um, pretty good. And besides, especially uh, I'm recovering from having recorded a whole Cadaver Classics and not being able to use it because my uh, my sound got dicked up so much. Yeah, that was probably my my bad for giving you advice on how to set up your recorder. <laughs> you, you know what's so funny is uh, I, did, I, did, I didn't I, take into account the altitude. Oh, you know what that you know that's a uh, we do have to cook things at high altitude settings up here. So, do you really? I was no. I was just guessing there, but no, I don't know. I don't think we do. Do do, do things still have? High yeah, that's altitude right. When, when do you ever when do you ever cook? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The last time I made a box of brownies. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think there were separate instructions, but well, especially uh, the instructions from your dealer with the weed you baked into them, right? Absolutely. I do not do weed. You don't? No, I, no, I do not. Dude, you, you are missing out. <laughs> no, oh. I've, I've, I've actually switched over to the legal shit because I can get it like around here. It's like ten bucks a gram. That spice? Yeah. Is it's yeah, it's incense or whatever they sell it as, but yeah, it'll fuck you up. So you know what's so funny is I have a buddy who uh, who swears by that stuff. He, um, I think in Utah right now they're they're starting to come up with some legislation to uh, to make. When I'm not sure, I may I might be talking out of my ass, but basically he's thinking that this stuff isn't going to let be legal for much longer. So he is he is like dipped into a savings buying caches of this thing you know he's i guess he's ready for the for like this the the apocalypse or something he just wants to make sure to have all that spice i'm like dude after it goes it's illegal you might as well just buy weed right i mean is there a thing but actually i was looking you know you can get i mean i saw a sale buy two ounces get one free so that works out to like two dollars and 35 cents a gram Really? So, so I'm like, yeah, that's quite an investment there. Because if you can turn around <laughs> and sell it like out in the middle of the road for ten, and nobody can do shit to you. <laughs> so, I well, mean, just, I can, I can actually walk. Illegal. There's actually a gas. Sta- there's actually a gas station right down the road from me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, really? All right, awesome. What do you recommend? Because they I sell think... like four different brands. And it's like, really right, awesome. I, yeah. I haven't I haven't tried this stuff. I mean, uh, but I hear it's uh, I hear it's uh, it works well. What do I know? It, it gets you high. So, <laughs> if the... well, I and know where I'm stopping like, before yeah, the, before work tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. You you really should, Mike. It, it'll do wonders for your personality. <laughs> but uh, no, that, I mean, but that's the whole thing. If you if you got a job like I do, where there's there's a possibility of a drug test, then yeah. Why the hell not? Enjoy <laughs> your weekends because Can the I rest be... of the week is going to suck. But um, <laughs> but yeah, no. Where I work, they they will only drug test you if you've like caused an accident. Oh really? But you never know like when that's going to happen. So it's just to be on the safe side because. You never know if you're going to slip and fall at work and break your ankle if you have to file a comp claim. Right. Nothing to do with drugs. You. Right. Right. Absolutely nothing to do with it. But still, they're going to drug test you. And it's like, yeah, I'd just as soon not have the THC in my system. Right. The, the what? 
Is that the the active the ingredient in marijuana? Yes. Oh, see, I don't even that's know a, that. That's the stuff that makes marijuana good. I don't even know that. I thought for for some some reason I thought you meant GHB or whatever that uh, whatever CBT. that date rape drug is. I don't know. Yeah, CBT. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about. I don't even know why I'm talking. I'm participating in this conversation because I really have no clue. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Next, When you come to Horror Hound, I'll bring some acid and we'll fucking educate you, my friend. There is no way. <laughs> there is no way, man. Oh, I, th- I think me and James will be able to talk you into it. I guarantee you, you will not. But you know what? It's a good chance. Right, if, we, if we can't talk you into it, we'll just slip it in your drink. Uh, <laughs> So be warned, you're going to be tripping balls during Horror Hound. <laughs> oh, man, I can't wait to get there. <laughs> oh, that's sweet, man. That's awesome. But, um, a bitch. but anyway, um, let's see. What what do we have to talk about? Oh, our good friend Johnny T sent us another email. Oh, he did? Yes. Is it about now, this, balls in the British? He, Yes, the bulls in the British. Now, now, first off, I've got a, uh, I've got a new theory. Okay. Okay. Because I've been thinking a lot because you know Zoe gives me shit over the British accent. You know, saying I sound oh, Australian. The Australian, right? Uh huh. All right, and I'll get to that in a minute. Uh oh. But first off, I have decided British people, after reading this, all these stories about British people and balls, uh-huh. they don't really have accents. It's like, really? good eye, God, now you don't. And then they spit the balls out of their mouths and they're like, oh, hi. How are you doing today? <laughs> yes. It's, it's, it's like these people, it's like these people in the deep south with the big wads of chewing tobacco in their mouth. They're like, yeah, you go over yonder and just be, it's like, spit that out and then talk to me. And they're like, oh, yes, go 40 yards to the north and they're then take eloquent. a right. And so, yes, exactly. It's, they're and they're so all I think like my favorite. Exactly. I, so, you know, I, I see Keith Latch, and uh, that Keith Latch and my fair lady have a lot in common, actually. I think they might. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've, I've actually, I can't say anything bad about Keith. Well, that was a, I, come I, on, I, that was I, I, I owe him some work, so. Oh, so you don't want to start crap. Keith, Keith, I'm working on you, dude. But, yeah. Yeah, pretty <laughs> soon Keith and I are going to have a big announcement to make. That's going to be all good, so. Oh, but, is yeah. it a boy and or a I, girl? Um, did you, it, it. We, did we you impregnate him or did he impregnate you? Uh, we're going to keep that a surprise too. Oh, okay. But, but <laughs> if, if you like to look at me and how much weight I've gained in the past three weeks, you'd think it was me. <laughs> oh, I just it thought you were at your period getting some water weight. Well, that too, you know, I've got a, <laughs> well, you can't have both. Well, you know, it's, I haven't had a period in like fucking 40 years now so i could very well be pregnant well, you act like it so anyway it, the british anyway, sorry the british people there there's some company like selling sperm on the internet without a license whoa now who would buy these things who in their right That's, minds would for, buy it first, first off who you know i need a vial of sperm Oh, here's a company that's i mean first off it just shows you can get anything on the internet right so, but, so but secondly, I didn't know you needed a license to sell sperm because I mean I'm I'm afraid I'm going to get busted now. <laughs> you're you're uh, you you go into like the deep the dark seedy uh, you know back 
rooms of all the clubs down there in uh, in West Virginia, and you're, you guys do uh, here. I'll give you you know give you uh, twenty CCs, you know, and and uh, somebody slips you a fifty. Is that how it goes? That's that's very much my lifestyle, and I'm worried that's in jeopardy. I mean, first I have to give up the drugs. Now I have to give up the mail order sperm business. Well, <laughs> you know what? Don't, uh, that's probably a good thing. But uh, well, first of all, you can take it from mail order to uh, you know just do it on the internet, okay? Just like these Brits, and then that way you don't. I mean, are you sending out like a like a catalog like they used to do in the old days? And uh, take well, yeah. this. Yeah, I mean, take and this, then there's uh, bulk discounts. The density of the sperm per milliliter and stuff. Yeah, because you, you never know when you're going to get that sh- shit cut with, like, shampoo or something. <laughs> exactly. So you you got to be careful. Know your dealer when it comes to your sperm. I have not been getting pregnant for the last six weeks. However, I've been farting bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> Queeping bubbles. Yeah, that's awesome. Yuck. Yikes. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah, that's... Uh, that's- that's really awful. But anyway, so, so getting back to the accent thing. Okay. All right. All right. So Zoe, Zoe's been giving me shit. All right. And here's the thing. Here's what she told me. This is a little secret. Okay. All right. Apparently, my American accent would fucking do wonders over there in England. You're so, there. So first off, I'm thinking Florida. Why the fuck would I go there? Just because that's where my wife and kids are going to be. Let's go to England. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So I, I warned, uh, but before, you know, I don't want to commit to that yet. So we're going to do a little experiment here on Cadaver Classics. Okay. All right. This is, this is my normal speaking voice, my, my American accent. Ladies of Britain, if you are listening, send me a picture of your breast to podcast <laughs> at jafmp.com. <laughs> Are you serious? By the way, then, I, my panties are all they, wet all of a sudden. Are they really? So, yeah. so, so well, they you're worked. not British, though. Well, okay. you know what? I'm still going to send you my boobies. Oh, awesome! I can't wait for that. And <laughs> and if you, and so so all right, that, that that's that part one of the experiment. Oh my gosh! Okay. Part two of the experiment. Now, and and this is all in the name of science. So really, you need to participate, well, ladies. Yeah, this isn't pervy at all. No, this is sociology 101. Sociopathy? So, Was that? Wait. Okay. Sociology. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 101. All right. Okay. All right. Let me let me think here for a second. All right. Women of America, I implore you to send me a photo of your breast to podcast at jafmp.com. Um, and of course, carbon copy. Mike at cadaverlab.com. <laughs> well, let me ask you something, man. So, okay. so exactly now we're going to see. <laughs> Look, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, how, how are you going to tell the difference? They're both going to the same email address. You just look at a pair of breasts and know that they're either British or American? Oh, no, no. All right. Yeah, that's a good point, Michael. Um, <clears throat> just so we can pretend that this is a real study. Okay. Uh, please, please just put in the subject line, uh, American breasts. Or UK breasts, and that and that way we can keep a running tally of you know whether or not this is actually true. 
the, please, you know, the foreign accents. Please do not cc MikeyCadaverLab.com. This is, uh, uh, yeah, CadaverLab does not uh, stand behind the uh, uh, opinions and thoughts expressed by <laughs> Stephen. Is, is that a good enough? <laughs> Fair enough, I, dude. I'm just really interested in the stats. You know. Okay. okay. Well, I will. I will. I will compile the stats. <laughs> Thank um, you. Make you a flowchart. If I was asking for vagina pics, it would be a pie chart, and then send over, and send that over to you. <laughs> oh, oh, that is terrible. Yeah, I'll punch it all into Excel, and it'll be it'll be great. So yes, so please, in the name of science, ladies, respond. You're finally going to get that peer-reviewed science project in the New York Journal. I am. You are on your way. I am so proud of you. I, I certainly hope so because you know I've been working on my doctorate for years, <laughs> and uh, this this could finally pay off for me now. So wow, that's huge! Wow. wow. So yeah. <laughs> well, so what's uh, new in your world, Mike? <laughs> nothing. You you've got the big uh, film festival coming up here in a couple weeks. Yes, we do. In fact, uh, well, I, I won't say who. But uh, we're actually going to be doing a Salty Horror Film Festival special episode for the Cadaver Lab, where we're going to be talking about a bunch of the uh, the entries and whatnot, and uh, you know we'll give everybody all the what's going to be happening at that point. But uh, we're going to have a a blast from Cadaver Lab's past on this one. Oh, really? Yes. Hmm, I can only speculate, and I won't even do that. But this is this is going on what November fourth through the seventh. Seventh, indeed. Wow. That's, oh, I just that's... did. I just tell you. I don't remember. I think I did. Mike, you know, I am just even though I can't be there, uh-huh. I am living the salty film festival experience through you. <laughs> oh wow! And I, and if you are in the area, be sure and check it out. Definitely. Or if you can get to the area, I am all the way on the other fucking side of the country, or else I'd be there, bro. SaltyHorrorFilmFestival.com and, uh, wow, well, let's put it this way, between uh, between your giant balls and all that stuff, that you, you kind of scare me. Plus the acid thing. <laughs> I can't really afford <laughs> to be tripping balls while I've got to keep everything you know, working correctly at the Salty Horror. Anyway. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so you West Coast people, you know, you can avoid my balls by going to the Salty <laughs> Film Horror Film Festival. But that is uh, the if- only way. If you if are you into do- my balls, though, the following weekend, I will be at Horror Hound in Cincinnati, hanging oh, with nice. Gray and Stewie D and Cutter and uh, the guys, and I think Tim Dave will be around, I'm hoping. Tim Dave? Oh, cool. Tim Dave, yeah. I think he's still in Cincy, so. Yeah, that's fine. I don't, I guess so I don't even if he, it. yeah, I'm hoping to catch up with him, even if he doesn't make the uh, Horror Hound. Uh-huh. So I'm looking forward to it. I get my copy of Caligula autographed by Malcolm McDowell. That's going to be fucking awesome. Oh, uh, cool. the, the cast of Reanimator. So really? it should be a fun time. Yeah, Jeffrey we, Combs is going to be there. We will expect a full stoked. report. Yeah, if I even get close to him, I'll fucking <laughs> I'll tell you all about it because I'll be like jizzing all over the fucking place. Wow, that would be terrible. Yes, but. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, Danielle Harris. That's that's another one I'm really excited oh, wow. to meet because she is just as beautiful. Well, oh my God, she's just fucking gorgeous. You know, and and, and I and I'm actually really surprised. She seems a lot younger than she really is, too. I, I mean, I don't know what her secret is or whatever, 
But man, she looks really good. And I'm not saying like she's old or anything. I'm just saying, wow. Well, no, she. I guess she'd be in her thirties, but well, she's she's my. I think she's only. I think she's maybe my age or a year younger. Which you know, I mean, that's still not over the hill or anything like that. But I mean, she looks. I mean, she could. Pro- she probably still gets carded. It you know at parties. I don't know. Well, she look, she looks I good. hope to find out. I w- I will card her when I see her. I'll say, hey, I need to check your ID. Well, <laughs> And then her bodyguards will. Uh... But 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 really, uh, really, I think the secret, Mike, mm-hmm. moisturizer. Moisturizer. Yes, yeah. you got moisturize. Yeah. You got to exfoliate. It's it's a you whole know, process. You know, maybe that's what, why what I look like shit. Is actually trying to get her moisturizer from a um, you know a British company, and they keep sending her uh, semen that she's putting all over, and all that protein and stuff is actually helping her stay. Well, I would like to volunteer to help her maintain her youthful looks then. In fact, you will introduce a brand new delivery method. I'm sure. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, fresh. <laughs> it won't come any fresher than this. And with my giant balls, I, <laughs> we can fill up a couple gallon buckets to take with you back to fucking L.A. That is terrible. <clears throat> You know what? I, I think I'm going to start calling my my fans the Ballsack Brigade. Wow, nice alliteration there. You think so? I think th- there's the Kiss Army versus uh-huh. the Ballsack Brigade. The Ballsack Brigade. You should make T-shirts, dude. Uh, the, I don't think I, I wouldn't be allowed to wear them around you. <laughs> I would punch you right in the neck, right in the neck. <laughs> yeah. Good luck getting around my balls. Well, yeah, that's, uh, I was going to say, by the time that we actually see your, your shirt, uh, it's probably a moot point because your balls are in our face anyway. Yes, it's it's sad. Anyhow, it's, to trim back. it's hilarious as that is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want to talk about some movies, dude? Yeah, let's do it, man. Right. Uh, actually, so here's the deal. Here's why we're doing the special uh, Cadaver Classics episode. Is be, uh, we, we talked about how... You know, we I had some uh, technical problems. So what we decided to do is uh, we're going to talk about the movie that we missed on, or, or that that uh, we did record, but we're going to talk a little bit about it again, and that's the Witchfinder General. Um, and then we're going to talk about a movie that we that we were going to do for our upcoming episode sixty four. But we figured, out since we're going to do um, two movies, we'll just uh, uh, release it as one episode. Well, cool. So yeah. uh, go ahead. What are you saying? Oh, nothing. Go ahead. Gonna, let's let's gonna, talk about the fucking movie, dude. I'm going to edit that part out. What part out? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't edit anything out. <laughs> I should. I should start. Uh, okay, yeah, so the Witchfinder really. General. Like about 30 what? minutes an episode. <laughs> the episode, you'll, you'll notice the episode will start right about now. <laughs> <laughs> we come on. Ah, let's talk about Witchfinder General. Man, they got right to it. No, we did not. Yeah, we're fucking... Dedicated, yeah, straight to the fucking point. We don't fuck around, folks. No, we we don't we don't we we see your time is important. We don't sit around and 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 try to amuse ourselves on your time. You know, no, we we would not do that. We we respect fact, you too our much. Time is fucking our our fucking time was pretty valuable too. I don't know <laughs> yeah, if you noticed, obviously. Mike, but yeah, it's I've got so much to do. <laughs> Well, midnight, that's... <laughs> midnight on a Tuesday night. Yeah, the, it's West Virginia. There's a lot of sh- shit going on. 
Well, you know what? There might be some Cal tipping I'm missing out on. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Man, I feel honored that you would uh, pass that up to come record this with me. (laughs) Well, that's what our friend's for, Michael. (laughs) That's excellent. So, uh, Witchfinder General from 1968. Um, Basically, this was um, directed by Michael Reeve. Uh, It was written by Tom Baker and Michael Reeves. there was actually a book called uh, Matthew Hopkins, Witchfinder General. The, Matthew Hopkins was an actual real person right? who in the, uh, I guess it was the early, early to mid-1600s, like around 1620 to... 1645? 16, yeah, he yeah he was born in about 1620, did his stint about 1645. Sorry, I, yeah, that's actually and, some and, data that I have. <laughs> yeah, and he he died at the age of 27, which is mm-hmm. odd having Vincent Price play the role because Vincent Price was well into his late 50s by this point. Absolutely. But yeah, Matthew Hopkins was a real witchfinder general or so he proclaimed himself. He would go around charging towns uh for ridding them of their witches and would have these nice little Im- impassable tests for witchcraft. The whole I'm going to tie you to a chair, and if you swim, if you float, well, you're rejecting your baptism, so you must be of the devil. And if you sink and drown, well, then, uh, yeah, <laughs> you, you get to go straight to heaven. Awesome. Right. <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, if you do survive the test, we're, well, that means you're a witch, so we're going to hang you. <laughs> or, so it's lose-lose. Once you are a witch, uh, you know, you're, a witch is a witch. Right. So you were you were going to die pretty much once he had his sights on you, and then he would collect uh, a sizable fee from the locals for ridding the area of the witch. Well, you know, and and it was a nice little scam he had going. Well, and and that's basically what this movie is all about. And 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 I don't know how much of this movie was. I mean, I assume that a lot of it was based on actual events and things like that. But it seemed like in this movie that somebody, if they all they if they wanted to get any kind of revenge or if they wanted to, they didn't like a certain person. All they would have to do is accuse this person of witchcraft. And you know, Matthew uh, Hopkins and his uh, sidekick, uh, what's his name, John Stern? Is that right? Anyways, uh, yeah, John Stern, they would show up and uh, run this person through, you know, the the set of tests and torture that, that uh, you were talking about. And also, you know, uh, trying to try to do other types of things to get them to, to submit and to and to admit that they're witches. Like, I mean, um, and so basically that's all you really had to do. I mean, these were baseless accusations. And uh, it seems like he'd come in, you know, and he's all down for it because, uh, you know, he got paid, my, you know, a lot of money by the, the town magistrate or whoever else, you know, because he's doing them a quote-unquote service. Yeah, and... Um... A lot of the tests, from what I've read, or I mean, that's actually true. They would mm-hmm. uh, stab you with a, a you know, a, like a needle, and you know, they'd look for the devil's mark. And if you hit a spot that didn't bleed, then that was the, where the devil's mark was. And what uh, these witch finders would actually do would have like retractable blades, and so they would you know, prick, prick a person, prick a person, prick a person, and then you know flip the little spring thing so the blade would retract and then of course it didn't draw blood and there's your witch um and there were there were some there were some people in power in the church that did try to step in and prevent this kind of thing Mm -hmm. and there were trials that actually took place that you know that part is not shown in the movie oh absolutely yeah yeah but for the most part you know that that's how these witch finders worked 
Uh, if you read anything like the Malleus Maleficarum or, uh, uh, one book, if, as long as you don't live in Arkansas, uh, never on a broomstick is a really nice read. If you're interested in the history, of, <laughs> why can't uh, you, why can't you read it in Arkansas? And did you ever see uh, paradise lost? Um, uh, yeah. Uh, wait, no. It, essentially it's the story of three kids that were kind of misfits and, uh, got oh, oh, oh the you, you're talking the about boys. the West Texas three. Yeah, the West Memphis. Oh, yeah, I did. Oh, West Memphis. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I did see that, and I saw the first one and the second one actually. Yeah, uh, that was one. That was one of the books Damien Eccles had that proved he was into witchcraft. Was uh, never on a broomstick, and I actually own a copy of it. And you're a witch. uh, Yeah, but fortunately, (laughs) I live in West Virginia. We're slightly, we're like two points above Arkansas. (laughs) I was gonna say, really, you're, you're really. uh, To me, it's all the same down there come on you, you no, we're, a... <laughs> yeah well whatever well but, yeah. you know in but, this... yeah, it's, it's a it's a good book if you're interested in the true history of witchcraft and how things went down then never on a broomstick is a is a really good book the, you know the movie focused on um you know the now and and when I, as I say this, I'm not saying that the movie had some kind of a political message or anything. Uh, you know, because you did mention that they didn't show any type of uh, uh, try or any type of uh, you know somebody trying to stop these you know these uh, uh, charlatan witch finders or whatever you know. Um, but basically, this movie was about um, the I, uh, Matthew Hopkins and his. Uh, basically his disdain or the hypocrisy of his position, you know, using the, uh, the, the, his, the whole facade of that to not only get paid, not only to engage in, in, in torture and things like that, which I don't know, he may or may not have gotten pleasure out of. However, I mean, he would show up to these cities and he would, uh, you know, sleep with basically anybody he could. He would manipulate people into sleeping with them all, you know, all sorts of stuff. And, uh, you know, it's funny because um, both the movies we're going to be talking about today have some kind of a, you know, uh, using the, you know, the uh, the church or whatever to, to you know, lie and, and get your way. But anyways, um, as far as this movie is concerned, I mean, Vincent Price played one of the uh, most evil villains that I've ever really seen in a movie. And now was he, was he scared? It wasn't a monster. It wasn't anything like that. I mean, this is this is basically a drama about uh, you know Matthew, excuse me, Matthew Hopkins and uh, what he did. You know, throughout that, I, I guess based on that book. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, yeah, the movie itself. I mean, essentially, what you have, uh, he accuses the this uncle of this girl of being a witch. Uh, has him imprisoned and essentially tries to uses his position to work his way into bed with the niece. Right. Who exactly. is freaking gorgeous, by the way. Oh yeah. But, and then the rest of the movie is um, plot wise. Marshall, the fiance of the niece hunting Hopkins down. Mm-hmm. And it really, to, to me, it plays out like your standard Western Mm-hmm. You've got a big civil war going on. You've got the Not soldier off. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, you, you've got the civil war going on between uh, Cromwell, Cromwell and, and yeah. So you've got Cromwell versus the king. You've got the soldier off fighting the war. And in the meantime, you've got this witch finder general going around, uh, you know, 
using people's fears and trying to get his own own way. Um, and then he violates this girl. And so the fiance is on this revenge quest, you know, riding through the countryside, you, uh, tracking him torn down between, yeah. tracking him down, torn between his duty to, uh, the ar- war he's sworn to fight versus his, you know, lust for revenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really does play out like a Western and a lot of it's shot like a Western. You've got these beautiful open landscapes of the English countryside, uh, the, you know, the horses riding through it. It's, it, it looks like a medieval Western, which, you know, is something I'm quite fond of. But on top of that, you've got, uh, Vincent Price in one of the, I mean, just the most brutal role I think I've ever seen him in. He, it's, there's no campiness about it, no wry smile to the camera. It is all, he's just fucking mean. That's all I mean, there is to it. Yeah, he's been in movies where, I mean, it hasn't been, you know, like, uh, uh, what, what's the movie called? The House on Haunted Hill. I mean, where where he's being, uh, you know, ki- kind of with a, a wink and a smile and, you know, being kind of the, the, the villain there or whatever, you know, or at least made to look like the villain or whatever. But, you know, I mean, he's charming in that. He's, you know, he's got a way with uh, interacting with people. He's got a way of speaking that's really, you know, it, it kind of charms you in and you even in other movies that he's been in, even though he's, you know, there's not like a wink, wink, whatever. Um, he, you know, he seems to kind of play, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't say a lighter type of person. Well, lighter than, than Matthew Hopkins, because I mean, this guy, him in this movie, uh, just like you said, I mean, he was all business. And to be honest with you, seeing Vincent Price in this kind of a role was, I mean, I don't want to say refreshing and sound, I mean, like, like, you know, to us make, make it sound like all his other roles I didn't love, but I mean, it was very different and very unique. I think to, to Vincent Price, I mean, would you, would you compare this to any other role that he's ever, you know, been in? Because I'll be honest with you. I don't know if I've seen a movie where he has played this type of person. No. And that's, that's one of the things I was, you know, came to mind while I was watching this, you know, you look at Dr. Fives or you look at the uh, post stuff with AIP Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, there's a certain campiness to it. You know, Absolutely. yeah, he's the villain, uh, but you, know, there's, there's a few roles in Vincent Price's career that he steps outside of what we know Vincent Price to be mm-hmm. uh, like last man on earth is he turns in this fucking amazing performance right. and he, and it's just fucking totally in, in, in grips you. If that's a word, <laughs> it, it engrips you definitely. It engrips you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and you know the thing is, but too- yeah, you you get so caught up in his performance uh, in Last Man on Earth, and the same with this, you totally buy into him being this totally uh, sadistic, manipulative fucking asshole slime ball and, and the thing is is i i remember thinking to myself you know i watched this a couple times because i mean we you know just to refresh my memory and whatever about the about the film but i remember thinking the second time noticing uh, you know even even more um things that he would do i mean even with like facial mannerisms body language things like that that made me think gosh what a this guy is is bad news, you know, and you know I don't I don't really know how to exp- you know I mean obviously, bad news is doesn't even come close to describing you know Matthew Hopkins and uh, Vincent Price in this role, but I mean it's it's 
I just, it's unlike anything that I've ever seen him do, um, especially because I mean, even in, in Last Man on Earth, I mean, he, here he was. He was a he was a protagonist. You know, he was the guy that we wanted to you know wanted to see succeed and, and whatnot. And where this is like mm-hmm. from you know once he comes on screen, it's like you know that that you want this guy to go down in the whole movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. Except, this is except, honestly well, this is probably that, my that, favorite movie that he's my favorite role that he's been in you know just 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 based on that performance and it's and i mean i i don't know if uh i don't i I didn't mean to cut you off there but it's funny because i think uh, as i was reading a little bit about it it seems like uh he was always at odds with the director michael reeve and uh basically michael reeve claims or sorry vincent price said that you know after he had a hard time with michael reeve while he was you know filming and while they were putting together the movie and whatnot but he's come to the realization that he thinks that part of his you know angst towards this director may have helped him in this role yeah um yeah because michael reeves actually wanted donald uh, Donald pleasance for the role and the role was written Matthew Hopkins was kind of a buffoon the way it was originally written, mm-hmm. but they uh, AIP since they were putting up the money and the, you know, Vincent Price was under contract, they said no, you're going to use Vincent Price. And Reeves and Price hated each other. Right. I mean, they absolutely could not stand each other. Uh, as a matter of fact, the final scene, um, Ian Ogilvy, the who plays Marshall. Mm-hmm. was directed to like literally beat the shit out of Vincent Price <laughs> and somebody else went in and padded Vincent's costume so he wouldn't get hurt. Really? Yeah, I mean that's how bad it got between these two. And then after it was all over and Price saw the movie, he actually sent uh Ogilvy or Reeves a 10-page letter saying, "You, yeah, I see what you were trying to get me to do on you know, and you know, maybe if we would have communicated better, you know, things would have gone smoother. And uh, apparently, Reeves was just a dick about it. <laughs> but well, it just shows what a class act fucking Vincent Price is. You know, you know who, and there's a lot of anecdotes on the web and, and whatever that uh, you mm-hmm. know that kind of illustrate this uh, antagonistic relationship. There's one thing I want to read. I know that that you don't like the wiki, but it, this this kind of struck me as pretty funny. Um, but according to Kim Newman in his book Nightmare Movies, when Reeves made a suggestion on the set that Price objected to, he basically Price told the director, "I've made 87 mo- films, and what have you done? Who are you to tell me you know what to do?" And and Reeves responded, "Well, I've made three good ones." I'll slap you nice. in the balls for that one. Get out of my face. Yeah. And and you to Reeves' credit, all right, you think look at the three movies that Reeves did do. What did he do? Um, Castle of the Living had, Dead. I've not yeah. seen it. Yeah, Castle of the Living Dead. And you're talking about um was that the name of it? There there was one no, in nineteen sixty four. No. Go ahead. Okay, that that one I have not seen. Oh, okay. But you've got Revenge of the Blood Beast with mm-hmm. Barbara Steele, and you've got The Sorcerers with Boris Karloff. Right. And then you make this movie with fucking Vincent Price. You know, if, if you're only going to do three horror movies, <laughs> you, you, chose you can't three really... Awesome people. Yeah, exactly. And unfortunately, you know, it's hard to tell what Michael Reeves would have done. He did pass away at the age of 27 from an accidental mm-hmm. drug overdose. Hmm. But... But yeah, the guy had some fucking talent. No, I, and 
this movie just was, I was actually very pleased to because I mean you know you know you know me man I mean both and this kind of actually applies to both movies that we're going to be talking about today I mean I was a little bit um uh, wary of going into this knowing that it wasn't maybe you know a, a classic by definition horror movie you know and so I was you know, you know but however the the this the, the the acting was so gripping. I mean, they, they chose he chose great people for these roles, and I know that he didn't choose everybody. You know, they they could all act. They, he chose great settings. You know, great sets, things like that. Um, but I mean, you you add to the to all that. You know, the Vincent Price's role, and you know, kind of the dynamic between him and not only you know the people who are you know, who he's torturing, but the townspeople, and you know, even even the relationship between him and his uh, sidekick uh, uh, John St- uh, Stern, played by Robert Robert Russell. But uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I, he he put together a dang good flick. Oh yeah, and um, w- one name bears mentioning is uh, Ian Ogilvy, who did play mm-hmm. Marshall. He actually starred in all three of the uh, Michael Reeves horror movies. He was a good friend of Michael Reeves. And he's gone on to have a huge career, well over 100 roles. He is at one point considered to uh, replace Roger Moore as James Bond in the early really? 80s. Really? He could have done it. Yeah, absolutely. As a matter he of fact, had I those, think he did... those wavy locks. Handsome. Come on. Perfect. I think, I think he actually uh, did some uh, audio books, some of the Ian Fleming audio books oh, later did on. He? Cool. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, Ogilvy he well he he played the saint in uh, the series Return of the Saint, which oh, is okay. close as he would which uh, he, uh, was Roger Moore's role originally. Right. But yeah, he's had he's had a huge fucking career. It's, like I said, well over a hundred roles. Mm-hmm. So uh, and uh, you know he does he he does his job. He's perfectly cast as the dashing young hero in this movie. <laughs> With but, a lot of riding on his noble steed scenes. Yes, but like I said, that's it really does kind of look like a western, and, and uh, you know the storyline is pure fucking western. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, overall, and it's not your traditional horror movie, and but again, I kind of you know I'm kind of curious because this was a movie that before before it, in England. Uh, the way it worked was you would actually submit the scripts for a rating before you even got started. Mm-hmm. And he had to rewrite this thing three fucking times, cutting out like all the violence. Really? You know, he had to keep cutting out more and more and more of the violence and the uh, sexual over- undertones. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I think in England, four minutes were cut out when it was finally released. With violence? Yes, four minutes. Or, and uh, wow. So yeah, so and then the, so there's actually three cuts of this movie floating around. You've got the British version with four cut four minutes cut out. Mm-hmm. You have the German version in which the tavern scenes, the uh, women the women in the tavern are replaced by topless women. <laughs> right, and that's not the version now, that we got. Yeah, unfortunately, we got screwed on this one. And, uh, <laughs> I think I think that's your doing because every time we have a movie that there's a cut with nudity and a cut without. That's right. I you got you a copy. Uh, that's right. <laughs> you can blame right. me. This cut, my, yeah, I couldn't find my copy of it, so I was like, dude, I need to borrow your copy, and it's like, <laughs> fuck, this doesn't have any tit in it. And then of course there's the American version, which has all the violence, but has that bookend 
with the Edgar Allan Poe quotes from The Conqueror Worm and oh, the, the different name. So you've actually got three cuts of this floating around. You know, it's funny that you say that, and I guess that 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 we watch probably that we watch the cut version, but it's funny you say that because in in I mean I don't I don't want to obviously give anything away, but the end of the movie, the final scene of the movie was actually got to me a little bit as being you know somewhat disturbing, and uh, you know especially I guess from what I what I was expecting to see, you know at the end of a 1968 AIP movie. But mm-hmm. you know, I I think overall that you know the the movie was effective, and and I guess the uh, the the final scene to me was just kind of dotting the i and crossing the t, and just kind of leaving you with that, you know, that uh, just like yeah, this this kicked ass movie, I guess. I mean, not to yeah. well, not to I be think... not to be too eloquent with my with my language and the way I speak there, but yeah, well, I mean, it's it's one of those things where less ended up being more. Because yeah, because you're you know, right. There he, wasn't a lot of Vincent Price is so stuff. you know he's fucking sadistic. Oh, yeah. He sells that to you. He sells that to you perfectly, and you know whatever it is he's doing off screen, it's going to be fucking bad. Absolutely. So, so all they have to do is tease you a little bit because anything they could have done special effects wise in '68 with this kind of budget, you know, is not going to be that fucking as bad as what you imagine this horrible fucking guy that Vincent Price gives you, you know, nothing they can show you on screen can compare to what you would imagine. Well, and I'm even talking doing. about the, the brutal beating there towards the end too. And like oh, yeah. I said, we yeah. don't want to get away, I mean, but that was, like, I was like, wow, really? This is intense. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, like, like I said, you know, that was, that was real. Yep. So, uh, I mean, all in all, it's, you know, it's not your typical horror movie. It's more of a period piece with a lot of violence. But you know, it's definitely worth checking out. No other reason. Vincent Price just fucking amazing well, performance. And I'll be honest with you. I think there are plenty of other reasons. But I think it's Vincent Price that, that, that turns this from a, you know, a pretty decent movie to, you know, a, a, an excellent movie. Because, I mean, I've, I've actually... Um, this this movie for some reason just made made a larger impression on me than than movies tend to do these days, or you know not these days. I'm because I haven't seen every old movie or whatever, but I haven't watched a yeah, movie in a long time. Day, back in the day, me. they made movies that cared about your audience and <laughs> yeah, had subtext and all right. I don't care about any of that. <laughs> no, but yeah, this movie does kick ass. It's just fucking awesome, and no, you know, I, and you know, like you said, you. It may not be in that pantheon of pure classics, but it sure fucking deserves to be as far as I'm concerned. I think it would appeal to horror fans. I mean, regardless that, you know, whether or not this is a real horror movie or not. So I don't know. I would say go out and definitely watch it. Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, oh my gosh. I just totally blanked Vincent Price. I was going to say Christopher Reeve. I don't, I don't know where that even came from, but uh yeah, I don't even remember what I was going to say. So up your peoples. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> that's that's a good way to end on a strong note there. Yeah. yeah way to bring it home, Mike. <laughs> but we do, we do have another. And the next movie we're going to talk about, it, it also is not going to be your conventional horror movie. Now. But, but there is, I mean, you've got Robert Mitchum in a role. That is absolutely terrifying. Now, 
let me I got to I got to make a confession to you. Okay. Now, of course we're going to be talking about Night of the Hunter, the Night of the Hunter that came out in 1955. Um let's just let me describe the opening scene. Now, and I can't remember if this is the absolute first scene, but basically what we do is we see a backdrop of stars and a floating head of an of an older woman telling talking to, you know, to to a, a bunch of children about um I can't remember exactly what they were talking about. And there was some like there ladies. There's a quote from the Bible about the, uh, you know, beware of wolf in sheep's clothing, basically. Right. And you had the ladies aid um, singer or choir, you know, singing behind. So I'll be honest with you. When I started watching this movie, I was like, oh, my gosh, what is this all about? <laughs> he is this a joke. OK. You know, but of mm-hmm. course. I mean, you see what I'm talking about, though, right? Yeah, the opening scene throws you completely off, but it, it does it gives it gives you the theme of the movie, which is you know, watch out for people pretending to be of God. Absolutely, and uh, I just wish they would have told me that. You know, I mean, you know, now it's you know, it's like I said, it was from 1955. I mean, you come to expect things like that, maybe a little bit more, especially in like and like you said, I mean, this isn't a this isn't a straight up horror movie or anything like that. Um, however, this this movie can be as terrifying as any other movie that uh, you know that that depending on who you are in you know experiences like that i mean th- this could be one of the most terrifying movies that that you'll ever watch which you know i'm glad that i fi- found out that i sat through it and found out that uh you know ended up being that great yeah I, it's 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 this is one of those that can i can i interrupt uh, you real quick does it no, sound like i'm being a little too gushy on these movies because no, I don't think I, mean, so, I don't want to I don't want to be you know that guy who just loves everything and you know whatever. But this well, the, movie, the whole point the whole point of the segment is to kind of pick out the classics. You no, know, right? But, where, but so I just yeah. I mean I just blew my load on this last one. I'm like now you know I, I made I made the Witchfinder General sticky and now you know now I'm kind of loading up for my for my second shot if you will. Again, there's oh, my okay. eloquent way of speaking. But, but yeah, this this was a, a book that well, I first found out about this movie, oh god, probably about twenty years ago. Reading a book about horror movies. Uh-huh. Oh really? And I read and I read the plot of it, and I was like, well, yeah, it kind of seems like it doesn't really seem like it would be a horror. You know, what's it doing in this book with all the you know, Dracula and Frankenstein, and, right? You know, Night of the Living Dead. You know, why is this movie in there? And I was like, I've got to go check it out. And just Robert Mitchum is just, um, I was just like, holy hell. And then when you get into it, I mean, Charles Lawton's direction in this is amazing. Um, he borrows so much from, oh, well, fuck, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves Well, here, well let's, let's talk about Charles Lawton, first of all. I mean, um, he, he was, you know, as I was going through his IMDb or whatever, he, he seemed to be more of an actor than an actual director. Um, yeah, this was his only directorial of, credit. I'm sorry. This this was his only directorial credit. Yeah, I just think it's funny that freaking Quasimodo from The Hunchback of Notre Dame directed this awesome piece of art. In my opinion, this was I mean this wasn't like a, a you know like a pretentious art piece, but I mean this was this I mean from top to bottom I mean this was a beautiful movie to watch and you know to get into. And, see there I go again. Wow. Well, if it, if it makes you feel any better, I thought the ending was a little sappy. 
Well, <laughs> well, well, the the last final Christmas time scene. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, and and I do and have and I do have one complaint me. about the movie. I'll bring it up at later, though. Not not necessarily a complaint, but just kind of a. Um, well, you know, let's just talk about it. Basically, um, uh, we have Robert Mitchum who's playing Harry Powell, and uh, Robert Mitchum. Uh, I recognized, but I couldn't pick him out until about halfway through the movie. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the guy who played the original bad guy in Cape, or sorry, the bad guy in the original Cape Fear. Yeah, and Max that Katie. movie was scary. That movie, I saw that movie when I was a young guy, even before the remake came out and anything like that. And that movie scared the crap out of me. Um, oh yeah, he was absolutely terrifying in that movie as well. And plus, you know, it's it, even creepier that he's going after that, you know. Um, the daughter, yeah, the, the daughter, the daughter, and well, you know what's funny is uh, he he plays the antagonist in this movie and he played the antagonist in that movie, but they were like almost like two different. I mean, there were there were there were you know spots where they were similar. However, this one his the performance he put in in this movie was was chilling. I mean, it, it was you know he did a good job in the Cape Fear as well, but this one he was just so manipulative and he was so you know good with his words and getting people to trust him and he had those rugged good looks and whatever. Am I sounding like really? Um, I'm talking about handsome dudes a lot today, but anyway, um, uh, but you know, so so here he is and he's he's coming in and he's basically charming this uh, you know this whole town and he has these nefarious and uh, intentions with you know in in after a while we realize what, to what lengths he will go to get what he wants and uh, you know that's when it really becomes chilling. Oh yeah, because he 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 can go from uh, fucking sheep to wolf. You know, zero to 60 in a split second. Absolutely. I mean, one minute he is the most charming guy in the world. And especially when he's dealing with the children mm-hmm. and you know, the little girl where he's got her on his, you know, just sitting on his knee. You know what a lie is. And you don't want, you know, you don't want to say anything bad and you don't want to do anything wrong. And now, why don't you tell me where the money is? And then exactly. just all of a sudden, he's like, you want me to break your arm? And it's like, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> well, you you should like this one. It was uh, set in West Virginia in what, like the 1930s? Somewhere yeah, during, it, the, during the yeah, Depression? Based, yeah, uh, it's actually based on a true story of a guy up in uh, Clarksburg who, uh, who uh, I think he murdered two women and was hung in, at Moundsville Prison. Which, you know, uh, if if you're in the area with the Halloween coming up, Moundsville Prison is one of the most notoriously haunted places in West Virginia. So if you get a chance to, if you're cruising through the area uh, in October, they offer ghost tours of the facility. Really? Uh, it's it's scary fucking I shit. I've never actually, checking out. Oh, it. I mean, it it's you'll see it. It would show up on the Travel Channel. You know those you know, America's right. most haunted places. Uh-huh. Uh, it's it's it'll show up there on occasion, on those types of shows, uh-huh. and it really is a creepy fucking place, especially at night. Uh, we're talking about going back up, uh, you know, sometime next month, and you know, doing one of the ghost tours again because I mean, Sounds I mean, you'll blast. piss your pants. It's fucking creepy as shit. <laughs> that sounds awesome. But yeah, so we're we are talking about real places and and a real person. Uh, this you know. Uh, this uh, Powell character, but um, you know, what? No, go ahead. 
I was just going to get into the story a little bit. I think it, the, I think the story is set up really well. I mean, uh, uh, in the beginning, because I mean, I can't remember exactly what he's doing, um, but he's driving and he reaches a town, and uh, basically he's talking to him. Uh, actually, no, sorry, he's talking to God. I mean, he, he's conversing with him. And, um, you know, and, and something that, that kind of caught me a little bit off guard was, uh, you know, you, you get the feeling that he's, uh, you know, has a disdain for women and, you know, in, in their tempting ways and things like that. And, and uh, you know, he's just it's funny because he's the only one on the screen, but you're he's, he's you know, talking to God, but he's totally you're just totally into that scene. You're watching the scene, trying to figure him out and he's giving out character cue, uh, clues. You know, to the people watching the movie, by you know, you know, in an indirect way, which I, you know, which I thought the the writing of that was excellent. Anyways, oh, he yeah. shows and up. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, yeah, and you kind of get the hint that yeah, he's already killed uh, one woman. Right. He's stolen the car, and he's talking. To, and the Mitchum is so great in the scene, you almost expect God to answer him. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, he's just. Oh Lord, you know how those women are, and I just expect Jesus to go right on, brother. Yep. Yeah, no, I hear you, buddy. Because that's how Jesus talks. Oh yeah, yeah. He he was a stoner too. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> no, I didn't. Well, with the haircut and a beard like that, what else would he be? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Apparently, the oil. You know how he's always anointing anointing people with oil. Is it patchouli oil? <laughs> yeah, there was like THC in that shit. <laughs> I swear, I swear to God, and that's why I'm thinking all these blind people, uh-huh. uh, they were just getting weed for their glaucoma. <laughs> that's not that's a miracle. Great, that's great thinking, <laughs> man. I'm, I can see, man. That's because yeah. uh, you don't have glaucoma anymore. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it cures glaucoma, does it? I don't know. Well, we're talking a lot about weed this this uh, <laughs> this episode. Weird. Yeah, that, that, maybe we should be high for this. Maybe we are high for this. Hold on, let me grab my bowl. I'll be right back, dude. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> funny. So, so Robert Mitchum shows up to the tip. Are you? Are you? You're yeah, not going to pass that. Uh, uh, hold on, dude. <laughs> That's going to be a long pass, by the way. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just slide it down my ball sack to you. Nice. (laughs) Ow. All right. All right. So, yeah, he gets arrested for stealing, for driving the stolen vehicle, and he ends up in prison with uh, fucking Peter Graves. You know, it's so funny that I I recognize Peter Graves, and I was like, who is that guy? And of course, uh, you know, I didn't, honestly, I didn't see him in anything until he was doing, what was that show that he did? Oh, my gosh. Mission Impossible? Wow. Yeah, well, no, well, I, I don't even know if that. Anyway, I can't remember what show it was that I that I recognize him from, but man, he that guy's he been used to host too. biography. You what? He used to host biography. He'd be like tonight on biography. Oh, that's right. About. <laughs> that's what it is. I, We're gonna talk I... about the life and times of John Lennon. <laughs> he smoked a lot of weed. That's why we liked him. He was awesome. Give peace a chance. <laughs> exactly, dude. But yeah, but go, Peter, Gra- go on, Peter yeah. Graves in a very young role before his hair turned white. 
<laughs> well, his hair was white. It was black and white, so he had blonde hair. Okay, anyway. Yeah, he looked like a blonde. So now that mystery solved. But yeah, and uh, <laughs> what Peter, Graves, Peter Graves had had robbed a bank of $10,000 and hidden the money in uh, his daughter's doll and swore the kids to secrecy. And uh, now, did he actually kill somebody during the robbery by accident? And that's yeah, why he, was he hung? shot a couple of people. Uh huh. Yeah, so he, he was hung. And the whole reason behind this was it was the depression. He didn't want to see his kids, you know, fucking homeless and you know, starving to death. So right. he did all this for his kids, and then swore the kids to secrecy. And what was it he said? His wife didn't have much sense, right? So don't tell her where the money <laughs> is. <laughs> so anyway he ends up in prison with uh the preacher uh robert mitchum and robert mitchum's trying to find out where the money is and he's not giving it up so he goes to his grave um goes to the hangman's noose with the secret mm-hmm. but when uh robert mitchum gets out he's going to go and woo the uh widow and uh try to find out what uh was actually done with the money. You know what's so funny about this is, I mean, so here's Robert Mitchum coming to, you know, the town and, and whatever, and, you know, just starting to get to know the people around this woman, and and this woman was uh, Willa Harper, played by Shelley Winters. And, you know, he started to get Looking to know the people good, around. Looking pretty good, by the way. Sorry? Looking pretty good, by the way. Oh, yeah. I she, mean... she, yeah, she had, like, I mean, the, the old classic look. I don't know what it is, but they all always look... Very classy and whatever. Oh, yeah. Even for a backwoods hick without enough sense to... <laughs> <laughs> to be wary of... Uh... Well, anyway, so, so so here's Robert Mitchum, and he's going through and basically charming the pants off. Well, not literally, but everybody in the town. I mean, he's, he's talking to, you know, I, I guess she works at a place uh, with, called Sugars or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was called. But, you know, he's talking to the, you know, the, the elderly couple that runs that place. And, by the way, did that, did that old lady kind of sound like Ogre from uh, The Dark Crystal? Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I don't yeah. know. She just had that kind of generic uh, 50s yes. busy body sound. You need, you, need, you need a man to help you raise this kid. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Anyway. Yeah, Sorry. I, actually, actually, I think uh, that woman was puppeteered by Frank Oz as well. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I just assumed somebody had their hand up her butt the whole time. I didn't know he was actually controlling it. He's quite the talented puppeteer. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, the scenes where he – these were some of my favorite scenes in the whole movie because, I mean, him coming in you know, and, uh, you know, obviously putting on the charm to manipulate those people. And he knew – obviously, he knew exactly what he – I mean, he came to do. That he, he had a mission when he came out of jail. And uh, basically what he had to do was go in and, and pull the wool over everybody's eyes, including um, Willa Harper, you know, to – he had to convince her that he's not just looking for the money. He, you know, convinced he, all the, the people that his intentions were pure and whatnot. And oh, yeah. he said uh, it really did. gave Mitchum, I think, a time, you know, a, a chance to really flex his muscles as far as acting goes. And th- these were some of my favorite scenes. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he convinces everybody. Well, he convinces her, at least, that you know, the money has been destroyed. Right. So he has no motives whatsoever other than to come in and, you know, uh, save her soul and be the right man for her. 
And, uh, and of course, we got to mention the tattoos, the love oh, and hate on the knuckles, because, you know, that's become kind of iconic, even uh, even referenced in uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Which, by the way, is uh, bullshit, because there's nobody in West Virginia that can actually spell love and hate, okay? Well, Nothing. Fair enough. <laughs> that was rude. I realize that. Yeah, that, that was. They're, they're, yeah, but, they're but he did, no, he did. He does have this little story that he does with the left hand was the hand that's you know Cain used to strike down Abel, and yep. you know this is the hand of hate, and this is the hand of love, and they're struggling against each other, and it's I mean it's just you know you can just see him fucking behind the pulpit giving this fucking sermon, you know. And uh, it's so funny how people just just seem to love that. Oh man, that is so wise. You know whatever. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, I mean, he, he fucking has all of them eating out of his hand. <laughs> you and know, except for the except for the little boy who right. sees right fucking through him. Right. You know, it, it, it's I'm I, I'm kind of glad that there was somebody who 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 saw through him the whole time, just because, I mean, it gave him that just that bit of that bit of tension between, you know, that kind of uh, you could almost see Robert Mitchum start to crack a little bit, but then he'd realize what's going on. And he'd, you know, bring it back in to be the charming guy that he is, you know. And so, um, you know, some of the, uh, I think they did a great job with that. Uh, you know, it's funny because the, the movie moves forward where he actually marries Willa. And uh, and then it just kind of starts going a little bit apeshit. For instance, uh, I mean, the, the one scene that, that stands out in my mind is the fact that they get married and on their wedding night. Um, basically, you know, they're, they're, he's laying in bed and she's in the bedroom or sorry, the bathroom and going to go in for their, you know, wedding night activities. And he basically, um, I don't know, not kind of scolds her into saying, Hey, listen, you know, that's a dirty thing. You know, we don't, we don't have sexual relations unless we're trying to procreate, blah, blah, blah. You know, but the way he does it is just, is just so creepy. My, what do you oh, think? Oh yeah. That, oh yeah. That, I mean, that's really the first scene where you see, I mean, you get these little hints, you know, like in the car on the way up and when he's arrested, he's like in a movie theater, you're watching this dancing girl and all of a sudden he's like, you clinching, you clinching the, the hate fist and, you know, right. Fingering the switchblade. He hates and, the ladies. And so, but this is the first time you see, you know, him break out of that. You know, the, all the charm is gone. And yeah. he just flat out lets her know what her place is as far as he's concerned. And this is the way things are going to be. And, you know, I was like, yeah, I don't want to have sex anymore either. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, I mean, it's, it's just amazing the way he, he just turns on her. You know, and, and from that point on, she kind of gets almost brainwashed, you know, and yeah, absolutely she's, yeah, she's totally under his fucking control for the rest of, uh, rest of her existence. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, and there's one scene where, uh, you know, it's, it's not long after the, you know, the, the, the bedroom scene and whatnot, where basically he's, he's running some kind of a, a church, maybe some kind of a, um, so church service. I mean, I don't even know how exactly how you describe it, except for he's up there. You know, he's kind of yelling at, at people and telling them what they need to be doing. And the camera angles have you know all these torches, you know, all strategically placed so you can kind of see the you know with his hellfire and damnation that he's preaching. You know, you see all these uh, you know the, these torches, this fire burning, and then his wife comes up and and says, you know, it's my fault that my husband's dead now because uh, I wanted all these frivolous things and he 
felt like he needed to give me the money. And, you know, I thought to myself, this reminds me a lot of, um, you know, some of that uh, German expressionism that we were talking about, you know, a little while ago, where, you know, not only is it, um, you know, is he acting a certain way, but the whole scene is set up to make you look and think a certain way. Yeah, and there's there's a couple of scenes that really harken back to that kind of uh, sparse like set design of the German expressionism, like uh, like the uh, well uh, Shelley Winter's last scene in the movie where uh, mm-hmm. they're in the bedroom and it's, and the corners of the screen are nothing but black. It's all takes place almost like in a triangle, mm-hmm. or the scene where they're going. He's uh, going down the stairs after the kids. And all you see are the stairs and blackness all around. And the right. only thing that the the only thing that's lit is the stairs and him on it, and then like a, a soft spotlight on the children, and nothing but blackness all around it. I mean, excellent use of shadow in this movie, um, you know, over and over again. And uh, when they get to the farmhouse at the uh, later on, right? You know, it almost looks like a cardboard cutout. It does, this, yeah. But, but I mean, so so am I close with the expressionism thing? I mean, I'm, I'm I feel like I kind oh, of learned, learned something from our expressionism. I learned well, something, Stephen. Well, can, that's awesome, dude. <laughs> and but no, that's I mean, German expressionism exactly what I harken back to on uh, about five or six of these scenes, right? And uh, the, I mean, and they're just so I mean, they're just amazingly beautiful. Even these. Horrific scenes where you know he's fu- well. Shelley Winters discovers that he knows about the money, All right? And you, so you know she's not going to be around long after that. And and that's that's in the scene I was talking about earlier, where you know he's talking to the little girl, and I mean he he's just starting just, to snap a little bit at the seams, starting to yeah tug. yeah he's starting to he's starting to lose his patience with the kids, right? And it's. I mean, he's just so charming, 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 and then boom, monster. Yep. Uh, but and even when he's kind of like trying to torture the kids, like uh, somebody's brought dinner over, and he's sitting there eating, and it's like, well, you know, you could have some food, but uh, <laughs> you're going, you're not going to tell me where the money is, so hell with you, I'm going to keep eating. Right. And it's good shit, you know. You son of a bitch. I mean, just just fucking with these poor kids. And I mean, that's, I mean, that's where his real evil kind of shows through. Yeah. He's a, he's a murderer, but the way he treats these kids is just, I mean, just toying with them. And yeah, he's very sadistic and all he cares about is that money. And it's, I don't know. It's, and the way he plays it off, you know, the charm. And then when he snaps the fucking brutality that he's capable of, right. Uh, it's, 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 it's just an amazing job. And then, but essentially, essentially what you have though, he kills the mother and the kids go on the run. And then the second half of the movie is, uh, him chasing down the kids and some of the most amazingly shot scenes there are. Right. I mean, the scene with him riding the bicycle, you know, and you just hear him singing that song, and well, like, and it's funny. Because, oh my God, doesn't he ever sleep? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, in I mean, in, even towards the end, I mean, there's there's one point where he, you know, he threatens, you know, it, you know, a lot of stuff happens. These kids end up, you know, being taken care of by the old woman from the from the beginning. But she, you know, and she's a, you know, a 
kind of a into you know Christian whatever. And it's funny because um, in you know instead of trying to come back and sneak up on her, he uh, uh, she you can hear her singing a hymn while she's like have, has a shotgun waiting for him, you know. And instead of sneaking up on her, he kind of just sings along with her. You know, oh yeah, and, he's he's oh, standing out there almost taunting her with that yeah. song he sings throughout this, and she's sitting there with the shotgun, like just you know, standing guard because she knows he even told her he said I'm coming back tonight exactly, and he's just sitting out there waiting for her to fall asleep, <laughs> and and he's just singing singing his hymns and she starts singing along with him and it's. I mean, it's such a haunting scene. And the music throughout this, I mean, the score in this movie, mm-hmm. it's fucking amazing. Uh, I think it's Walter Schumann. I don't know what else this guy has done, but the, the score to this fucking movie is amazing. Uh, some of the, I mean, there are just so many shots we could go through the entire movie. Every two or three minutes, there's an incredible fucking shot. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing that Charles Lawton didn't never direct it again. And he was he, quasi he was freaking moto. actor. Come on. Uh, have, have you seen his portrayal of Quasimodo? It's fucking brilliant. No, I, actually, I, mean, I have he, not. He, he's a great fucking actor. Charles Lawton is one of the greatest actors of all time. And, I mean, and you watch this movie now, it, it, it did not do well at the box office, mm-hmm. unfortunately. But, like, the scene, there's a, a woman's body tied to a car at the bottom of a lake. Right. And the camera just like sits there and the, the, you know, there's the underwater vegetation kind of swaying and this woman's hair and there's this haunting music and it just, the camera just stays there for like 30 seconds. Right. And it's just, I mean, it's just tragic and haunting and terrifying all at once. I well, mean, and, and the thing is that the shot is set up in such a way that you're, that it, that I'm not used to seeing shots set up. And so as you're looking down, you're looking into the water, which is very clear, you know, it, it just, it just is kind of, it gives you, it gave me a little jolt, like, whoa, you know, look how, look how clear, look how, you know, clear. And then you start to see, oh, well, she's all tied up. That's sick. You know, this is, this is bad. Just kind of gives you that, uh, the feeling, it gave me the feeling of dread. And, you know, and like I said, I mean, obviously, um, Robert Mitchum, knowing that he was the one that did it, was was really the thing I think that sold all, all you know this whole movie to me. Oh yeah, and and, you know, and that's one, and that's my one, one complaint about the movie is that there were there was kind of a lull where he wasn't in it for a while, and that's when we get to know you know the kids a little bit better. When the kids you know once the mother dies uh, gets killed, you know they take off down the river, and you know they're found by you know this old woman that who we're talking about, and she takes him in and takes care of him. You know, and, you know, and I mean, we see him from, you know, from time to time, but when he wasn't on screen, I was really looking forward to, you know, the time when he would be back on screen. And that's not to say that, you know, what was going on wasn't interesting or, you know, they weren't, they didn't do a very good job. It's just that he did, he was such a screen presence that it's like, that's, you know, that was the, the highlight to me, the scenes that he was in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I understand, you know, yeah, you you weren't you weren't these kids to find a happy life after all they've been through, mm-hmm. and maybe it does spend a little bit too much time on that. But fortunately, it does break away you know on occasion to give you Mitchum because he's in town. Ta- oh, and and the scene with uh, what was that girl's name? Ruby. Yeah, right. I I can't oh, yeah. remember her name, but she went yeah. out on the yeah, town. Yeah, one of the other orphans. To. 
yeah, one of the other orphans, and you get that kind of same sense of dread that you got in Cape Fear. Like, it's but you know this guy is asexual, but here she is. She's like out there looking for boys to right. make out with and shit, <laughs> and. And here he comes along, and she, you know, she's flirting with him, and it's, right. it's like, do you? And of course, he's so fucking charming. You just yell "Stranger what, Danger" at the TV. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because I mean, you, it's like, oh my god, what's going to happen to her? Right. Yeah. So I mean, there's certainly a lot of tension there in that scene, even though it, you know, it's all innocent, and then in the soda shop, and there, you know, she's eating. Buy me some ice cream, and I'll tell you yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, you freaking and, whore! What? The? Yeah, exactly. You don't know <laughs> if he's going to snap on this poor girl. Right. And one one final scene, though, I really want to mention because this, this scene gets me every time. Mm-hmm. Where she's standing guard with the shotgun. Mm-hmm. And she's, um, it's Lillian Gish, by the way, the old woman we're talking about, who is mm-hmm. one of the all-time greats of old Hollywood in you know, one of her later roles. But uh, you know, she's on she's on the left of the frame, and through the window you can see Robert Mitchum sitting out on the stump just waiting. And it and uh, somebody walks in with a candle, and the can the light from the candle momentarily obscures your vision of uh, Mitchum, mm-hmm. and then when the camera moves, he's when the candle moves, he's gone. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh shit, (laughs) where the fuck did he go? I mean, it's, oh man, it's that scene, right? Gets me every fucking time, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, there's just so much to love about this movie. Like I said, I'm not real thrilled with the ending. You know, I weren't a big, bigger confrontation and Uh I've, I've read that there was some studio interference, you know, trying to make it like a nice peppy ending. Um, well, and they even tacked on a whole, you know, scene after the final confrontation, just just so we could get our warm and fuzzies in as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even, even the final confrontation to me was no, yeah, I, I agree. it was it was emotional, but not real dramatic. If if that's like, wow, sense. Robert Mitchell turned out to be a puss. Robert Mitchum, not really. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, fucking one gunshot wound—that's all it's going to take. <laughs> <laughs> No, you know, and the thing is, is and, and like I said, I mean, this is. Uh, in you the know who that reminds this, you. Remember, uh, uh, fuck, uh, Grindhouse, fucking uh-huh. uh, something in Mike. Uh huh. How he turned, how he turned pussy at the end. <laughs> Honestly, I I I saw that one a long time ago. I wasn't a real big fan of uh, that that uh, one. I love the other one, Planet Terror. I can't even remember what that oh, one's Planet called. Terror fucking, Planet Terror fucking rules. Uh, yeah. Oh. Death, 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 death proof. proof. Death Proof. Yeah, God, that that was a rough one. <laughs> but yeah, Death Proof, when Stuntman Mike turns pussy at the end, that's what it kind of reminded me of. It was like, come on now. But <laughs> You're yeah, a I guess badass. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, yeah. And and I think it's, I think it's great. The, uh, the other great thing throughout this movie is the fact that the the little boy is it's it's not some adult that's confronting this evil it's it's this little boy that's constantly standing up to him right and it it makes it it makes for a much more interesting dynamic and the fact that this guy is such a misogynist and it's a woman and her matronly ways you know her uh 
you know, the fact that she is such a godly woman right. and, you know, the true you know essence of what Christianity is supposed to be versus this evil preacher. The fact that she and this little boy are the ones that are able to finally bring him down. I think it, I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's just, just warms the cockles of my heart. <laughs> wow. You have a cock in your heart anyway. Sorry. Sorry. You, you, I had to end it off with a dirty joke. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> no, but I'm I'm actually really glad that because you chose this movie and I you know I I, I mean I I don't even know if that I've heard about this movie but you know would have heard about this movie if it hadn't been for that but no this was like I said I mean I've got I've got all, both these movies balls in my mouth right now because I enjoyed them both so you know so very much and it's like wow you know it, it, it it's, it's just a shame because um, the my attention never wandered and it's rare when I watch a movie that I don't start thinking that I'm not ri- that I'm riveted. Cause I, I rarely get that way, but you know, especially with night of the hunter, I did, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that I didn't with, uh, with, uh, Witchfinder general. It's just that the way, you know, the way it was set up and, and you had so much to look at and all this, you know, all the, all the other one, uh, not wonderful, like awesome things about this movie. It's like, you know, I was riveted. Okay. Sue me. Even yeah, though the ladies' aid choir threw me off in the beginning. Yeah, the, the the first thirty seconds, yeah, it's like okay, but and and the other thing, you know, even even when things, you know, this is one of the things we talked about with Bava, you know, even when there's not much going on with the scene, fucking Charles Lawton finds an interesting place to put the camera, right? So that so that it turns out to be, you know regardless of what's going on with the story. Okay. The kid's walking through the barn. Well, we don't have, you know, the camera's not in front of the kid. It's behind the cows shooting through the legs of the cows and, you know, tracking that way. And so you get all these odd shapes and perspectives and shit that, you know, just keep your, keep you visually focused on it. Whereas, Whereas, you know, that, you know, that takes, you know, that's a slower part of the movie and there's not much, you know, not as much going on and you're waiting mm-hmm. for Mitchum to come back. Right. But yeah, every, every shot, he finds something interesting to do with it. And the, the scenes where you do have these great actors like Lillian Gish and Robert Mitchum and Shelley Winters on the screen, he lets, he, he, there's no trick camera work going on there. I mean, he's just letting them act out their fucking roles. And do it fucking brilliantly. So, I mean, he, you know, from an actor, you know, coming from an act, you know, him being one of the greatest actors of all time, you know, he understands, I think, better than somebody like Michael Bay, you know, (laughs) okay, it's, it, our focus needs to be on the acting here. Okay, there's not much going on here, so let's make the shot visually interesting. And, you know, Michael Bay watched this movie and wondered where all the explosions were. Yeah, absolutely. And where's Cuba Gooding Jr.? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, this I mean this is a and this is a movie that is, you know, I mean, it's obvious if you watch other movies, you know, you're going to see where, you know, later directors are inspired by this particular film. Because and you can also see where, you know, if you have kind of gone through the uh the primer that, you know, Mike's gone through where the influences from earlier directors have shown up in this movie right. and how it's combined so fucking seamlessly. And then later on, you know, other people have, have stolen from it or, you know, paid homage to it. Mm-hmm. 
And it's it's on uh, you know it is unfortunate that Lawton never got a chance behind the camera again. Yeah. But yeah, I mean it's it's you know it's it's not fucking Friday the Thirteenth. It's not a fucking slasher. It's a very slow burn. Well, you know but, what would be funny, and you've only got the, and you've only got one murder that takes place in the whole fucking on screen. Yeah, wouldn't it be great if but, if Jason was that uh, was that charming and he had he he sat down with the campers and you know and really just and sing songs them. with them and yeah, sing songs <laughs> with them and no, absolutely you know, taught 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 a few you know, taught him a few Bible verses and then <laughs> then took a machete to him. Fucking awesome. <laughs> Awesome movies, man. Both, both of these, killer. in my opinion, were definitely everybody go out and grab those and check them out. You know, because uh, I think that you know neither of them are, are you know you know quote unquote really fun, entertaining popcorn movies. But both both of these, I think, are uh, excellent, well put together films that you should definitely watch. Yeah, two very excellent directed and two amazingly fucking villains. Oh, yeah, without Vincent a Bryce doubt. and Robert Mitchum, uh, two two of the best villains on screen ever. Absolutely. Well, cool, yeah. man. Hey, thanks for coming on to uh, the Cadaver. How, well, how was it doing two movies? Are y'all worn out? Man. No, man. I, I kind of wish we'd gotten to the third. What? Which was? I don't fucking remember what we said the third was going to be, and then was like, nah, no, you didn't have time. Oh, I don't even remember. But uh, no, that's awesome. I'm, you know, like I'm I said, I have to go back through our emails. Maybe we'll use it. Whatever it was, we'll use it exactly. for another one. But you know, yeah. it, it's it's you know when I you know regardless of whether we're doing this segment or another segment, there are, are you know with with Johnny or whatever. There are there. Are, I don't think there have been two movies that uh, I've really liked this much. You know, and that have, have have had such an impact on you know just you know as I was watching had an impact on me than these two. So there you go, people. I'm going to quit. I'm going to take the movie's balls out of my mouth and let you guys go. Sound good? All right. Thanks again, man. man. All right. My pleasure, buddy.